serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. This is Sir Gene with me once again is Sir Dude Name Ben Name Ben. How are you, Ben? Gene, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm better than the people in Arizona. Why? What's going on there? Well, you know, some pro-abortionists uh, tried to storm the state capitol. Did they really? Yep. Tempted insurrection, everyone. Oh, no, 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 no. That only works if you're uh, storming the Capitol and you're a conservative, you see. I'm sure these people were not conservatives in Arizona. This is true. I, I will say this. It's a peaceful protest. Yeah, mostly peaceful. I, I will say that, you know, I, I think this uh, Roe decision is really, really going to strain. This, combined with the gun bill passing, is really going to strain our idle bounds. Is that a nice way of saying people are going to start getting physical? Uh, I think they already have overnight. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the storming of the Arizona State House is, you know, not a small thing. In addition, you see protests mostly in large liberal cities where abortion will stay legal, which is funny in and of itself. But uh, and then outside the house of Clarence Thomas. Mm -hmm. So that that to me. You know, I, I, I am worried about our justices and their lives. And yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a bridge too far for both sides, I think, mm. both with the gun control bill and uh, this abortion ruling. I think both sides are going to get pretty animated. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I'm certainly a lot more concerned about the restrictions on gun rights than I am about the other stuff. And I I think people that have been listening for a while already kind of know anyway, but I'll just say it for clarity's sake. I really was not particularly bothered before this decision came down to abortion and the most states had reasonable rules on it, in my opinion. And now it's just simply left totally up to the states, which means some states, including the one we live in, Texas here, will restrict all abortions, which again, I'm like, okay, well, that I think federalism and states each having deciding what they want to do based on the population that lives there is probably a better route to go anyway. So I guess in, in that purely political sense, this is a, a good move by the courts. As far as pro-abortion or not, you know my opinion on it. I, I think that up to about four or five years old, nothing wrong with it. Been around way too many loud kids to say that abortion should be completely illegal. But I also recognize that that's just my opinion. Yeah, and you know, for those who don't know, Texas has a trigger law that's in place. So in the next 30 days, all abortions from conception will be illegal with only with the only caveats and exceptions for rape, incest, and so on. And health of the mother, yeah. Yes, and health of the mother. You know, here's where it comes down to for me. I I'm a libertarian. I cannot abide the state telling me I have to live for someone else. I have mm-hmm. a problem with that. At the same time, post viability, there is no moral argument for the rights of the mother to abort the baby. As soon as that baby is viable, there's no reason why we shouldn't say, okay, you don't have to have anything to do with it. We're going to take the baby. We're going to have a preemie, whatever the case is. We're going to care for it. We're going to do as much as we can for it. And that life is going to live. You don't, well, ha- you can give it up for adoption. You don't have to have let anything. Let me be to devil's advocate in this situation. Then. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody can afford $25,000 for hospital bills to have a kid. I, and I, I think this state can handle that. 
Okay, so you're pro-socialism. Got it. No, I'm not pro-socialism, but I am I am pro pro-life in the sense that I don't think we should allow a child to be killed. I mean, the state funds abortion today, so why not fund a birth? You know, I, I don't see those as. Why well, isn't abortion cheaper? I'm sure it will be. Yes, mm-hmm. especially when you take. And by no means am I a fan of our current adoption laws or you know child protective services or anything else. But I mean, you're talking about a life. What about the life of the mother who has to live with the fact that she is forced to carry a child and then birth a child that she doesn't want? Well, I'm saying, so I I struggle with that because, again, I don't think the state has a right to tell anyone to live for someone else. And that includes, you know, social welfare programs and me having to pay for them. Yeah. But, and and I'm not suggesting that a mother has to carry the child to term. Really what it all comes down to is if people were being responsible, none of this would matter. If abortion was for the cases of rape or incest or, you know, were not used as contraception, I don't the, think this would be a problem. The irony of all those purple and blue-haired people. I don't want to gender them as women, of course, because who knows what a woman is. But the irony of all those people with their signs, and I'm not going back to the 50s, all of whom are products of mothers who didn't abort. It's it's sort of like the non-drinkers rallying the call for abolition, or not abolition, what was it? Uh, prohibition. prohibition. Prohibition being a horrible decision, which it was, but... But if you're, you know, somebody who is not a drinker and perhaps living in Utah, what do you care if the rest of the people are drinking or not? Yeah. So that, that, that's got a little bit of that going on. Because these people that are in the blue states are the ones that are mostly protesting. Blue states, blue hair. And it is, it's, I guess, in their minds, they're advocating for the rights of the women who are trapped hostage living in red states who have no, no permission to leave the red states. They have to live there and birth children nonstop. And that's where the concern comes from, I guess. Yeah. And you know, we're just a step away from enforced monogamy and, you know, incels being passed around and given, given women. I, I, well, that's socialism. I, say that, I mean, they should I be say that by invest, women, not be obviously. given women. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. Sir, Don't go down the yeah, socialist yeah. path. That's yeah. twice in one episode already. What, what's your email now? Oh. My email? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, again. What's your I, email? I, you got that fancy new one. What yeah, it? I did. It's, what is it? Dude at namedben.com. No, dude oh. at namedben.com. There you go. Dude the, yeah, so anybody who doesn't like socialism, go ahead and email them. Man, I, I just... I guess my big fear and worry at this point is how far this extends and where it goes. I don't. So the, the Supreme Court's decision, I do not have a problem with at all because yeah. all all it. First of all, you, Rose you don't was a badly argued decision in the first place. This is just simply a fact. If you go to law school, if you Roe take and any Casey. classes, yeah, you they they are 
some examples that are commonly used in schools going to and teaching the topic of decisions that demonstrate strong judicial activism versus interpretation. And, and here's the thing. The way it was set up and the Equal Protection Clause just falls apart under this argument. Now, whether or not state laws around abortion are just good, bad, or indifferent, that's going to be on a state-by-state -state basis. And that's what people need to focus on. If mm -hmm. you think abortion should be legal, then advocate, vote in your local elections, so on and so forth. The federal government does not have limitless power. Tim had a guest on last night that just drove me batty. You know, he 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 is a statist. I'm trying to remember yep. his name right now. Sorry, here I am disparaging Wilt the guy. Chamberlain. There you go. Or Will, not Wilt. Wilt is a different guy. Will yeah. Chamberlain. Yeah. Anyway, statist, and he's a lawyer. Well, and totally misunderstands the Constitution. Apparently, and like most lawyers do. The federal government is limited in what they can do. And, you know, the 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 other ruling that came out of the Supreme Court this week, the Second Amendment ruling, while I appreciate it, the Second Amendment doesn't apply to the states. And that's that's one thing that, you know, people really have a hard time with. You know, mm -hmm. you're, the state has a right to its own laws. Now, I'm a fan of... New York now being a shall issue state versus a may issue state, but mm -hmm. that's not the court's role. You know, states internally, the state constitution is what matters, and state law should be settled by a state supreme court, well, not the federal court, unless it is a power that is directly granted to the federal government. Right, but if the states start restricting rights that are enumerated in the constitution, which is federal law, then don't the federal you know doesn't the federal government have a obligation to step in only where it is constitutionally mandated so for instance an amendment not constitutionally mandated across the entire country so i if you go back to the ratification debates so especially the virginia ratification debates it was a hotly contested topic on whether or not the federal government should be able to enforce anything upon the states so specifically the federal government should ensure a Republican form of government, which in some states I would argue, namely California, you don't have. And Republican is little r, not big r. You know, the Second Amendment is worded in such a way that it can be interpreted to apply across the states. But if you look at the First Amendment, mm -hmm. Congress shall pass no law. So mm -hmm. the First Amendment does not apply to states. It applies to the federal Congress. Mm -hmm. And in the theme of that, and when you look at their drafting of the Bill of Rights and you read the ratification debates, I truly believe the Bill of Rights was only meant to restrict the federal government. Mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a Second Amendment advocate. You, you know me. I, I, I like my guns. Well, I, I don't you like, like guns. Socialist a little bit too, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm 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 a lefty that likes guns. Anyway, the the point I'm making though is the federal government is supposed to be very restricted in what they can do, and the states are supposed to be the ones with the majority of the power. You know, they were arguing last night about the you know having a strong federal government is important, and it's why we won't devolve into civil war. 
you know, and what do you want to go back to the Articles of Confederation? Yes, actually. Yes, I do. And I would say that the reason why we've had a civil war and why we're going to have another civil war, most likely, is because we have a strong federal government that is overreaching and overstepping and ignoring the bounds to which it was placed. And I think the two issues, both the abortion issue and the gun rights issue, are going to be a a point of contention for a long time at the very least. And, you know, luckily so far we haven't seen a ton of violence, just the Arizona stuff, but we'll see. I mean, Maxine Waters was up in arms outside the Supreme Court this morning saying that we are not going to abide by this. Who are they? We're not going to listen to this ruling. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, if you really do have people start to ignore the laws, ignore Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has no enforcement capacity, this really starts feeling like the 1830s through the 1860s where nullification, South Carolina exposition and protest started building up. And I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. It's always the North that ignores the law. So... You know, in, in in the 1800s, it was the North that was defying the courts. It was the North that was defying federal law. And the South finally had enough of it and left. And it wasn't just the, you know, Fugitive Slave Act. It wasn't about slavery. It was about the abominable tariffs. It was about the states not being equally treated. It was lots and lots of things that built up over time. You know, you, you got to remember that in the 1830s, John C. Calhoun at the time, Vice President of the United States, authored South Carolina expositions and protests. The Vice President of the United States said, you know, a civil war is coming. 30 years later, it happened. And? We live in the information age, and tensions are higher. Emotions are running higher. Yeah. We are not in the age of reason <laughs> that they were. I don't think it's going to take 30 years. Yeah, I, I would certainly... Not expected to. But is this not a good thing? Don't we need to have a reckoning in this country as the country is going down the toilet? Well, it could be. It could be the reckoning that we need, and it could be something where America ends up in a divorce and we split up and, you know, some states emerge stronger and better for it and others mm -hmm. not. It could be a total collapse. You know, it, it could be the invitation that, you know, if America really does go into a hot civil war, which mm -hmm. I don't expect militaries on battlefields in the U.S. What I expect is protests. What a I lot expect of Wacos is, violence. is what I expect. Exactly. Yeah. Mostly in Texas. Wacos and Ruby Ridge. Mm. Um, Probably not Ruby Ridge. That took way too long. Okay. I think there'll be a lot more fast, decisive, overpowering actions in the use of military against civilians. Quite possibly, but I, I expect the secessionist movements to really gain some steam in both the South and the North. I, I think I think there's more and more appetite for it. You know, we, we, we live in different countries fundamentally right now. We do, but here's the distinction is that I think the right is okay with living in different countries and believes in federalism. The left is not and does not and hence, all the blue state people currently protesting for the red states to not be allowed to make their own decisions. Yeah. I mean, it 
it comes down to at what point do you allow people to make their own decisions? And this is why I use the term statist. And that's what most people are. Mm -hmm. They want the government to fix their problem. They want the government to enforce morality. Yep. They, you know, and it's on the right and the left, and it's immoral in both ways. In enforcing marriage, for example, you know, Clarence Thomas, in his uh, his agreeing opinion, used some language that could quote unquote threaten the gay marriage, the legalization of gay marriage, which the court also did, versus a legislature, which is not okay. But what I would say there is why the hell do you want government enforcing marriage? That is mm -hmm. a social contract. That is a religious agreement. You know, well, I don't the, think the government has ever had say or currently does have say in the religious agreement. I think what they have say in is the financial consequences thereof. And what I would say is get rid of marriage as a institution entirely out of law and replace it with a civil contract. Take what is Absolutely. currently marital law and make yep. it a contract. Yeah, I a contract totally between agree. Two you should individuals. not have sex without having a contract in place. I, I mean, seriously. And cameras. Yeah, yeah, you and your cameras. One of these days I'm going to get your address and just drive by and hack those cameras. Yeah, you do that. You do that. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you can make a guest appearance on my OnlyFans page. Uh -huh. I'll be scarred for life. Anyway, yeah, I, I, there, there has to be some changes. But fundamentally the question is, do you want liberty or do you want the state death. imposing its yeah, man? I have to jump in there. Do you want liberty or death? I, give me liberty or give me death. I wholeheartedly agree and mm -hmm. you know my birthday was last weekend we took last weekend off because of your your computer issues and then you know oh, I thought I it was had family of your birthday. In town. i don't i don't know what you're talking about computer uh -huh. issues i i have no computer issues anyway so happy got, birthday anyway thank you i yes. i bought another gun for my birthday and father's Shocker. day yeah and my wife was like you're doing an ffl transfer this is the second one what you know why are you suddenly okay with this and I said, well, you know, with the pandemic and everything, I've been buying ammo online, so credit cards have been used anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, she was uh, okay. And I said, where'd you well, get it, Bass Pro? No, a local local gun oh, store okay. that had right. it in stock. But uh, you know, I, I just said, you know, if I feel like I need to hide my guns, it's probably time to use them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. Yeah, well, you know my position. I've never. I've, I've <laughs> everyone's got my freaking signatures and everything else, so I don't really don't care. Well, congrats on the new gun. I'm not a huge fan of SIGs, but you know, again, that's just me. Yeah, for people who are listening, I got the M17, the new civilian version of the military sidearm. It was just a nice fit, but you know, we need to talk about the gun control bill. Have you looked at it much? No, I actually haven't. I, I, you know, wrote all my nasty grams to the politicians that flip-flopped on the issue to let it pass, but I, I have to admit I have not actually read the bill. Well, I haven't read it in its entirety, but the main things are we're going to increase background checks for 18 to 21-year-olds, which if you're between 18 and 21 and affected by this, you need to immediately bring suit. I would love to, but yeah. I'm older and I don't have standing because this, uh, this is a case for equal protection under the law. They're mm -hmm. discriminating by age that 
is not okay, you know, to say that someone is an adult at this point. But well, not- and that's where I think this is going is we need to raise the age of adulthood to 21 just to make everything because this is already an issue with drinking laws, in my opinion. You, you right. can't forbid an adult merely by the age that they happen to be a restriction on what is otherwise an allowed activity. Well, in the the way the federal government, if you remember, in the seventies, lots of states had a drinking age of yeah, 18. because you can't send the guy to his death and not allow him to drink. And the, the way the federal government got the states to change that, and the way twenty one became the legal drinking age, was actually through the highway system and mm-hmm. the federal gas tax. They said you will not get funding if you don't do this. Yeah. Same thing they did with the speed limits and everything else. The federal government has too much power. Well, the states are complicit in this. I, I'm not letting 100%. them off the hook because the states ought not to be allowing federal highways within their jurisdictions. The states should not send a dollar of taxes to the federal government. Absolutely. You shouldn't do either. You shouldn't accept money, send money, or allow any federal placements within the boundaries of the states. Um, so there are a couple of states that have decent laws on preventing state and local police from aiding the federal government. But the fact of the matter is the federal government ha- should not have any policing powers yet. We have the a- ATF, we have the FBI, you know, we have the DEA and we're just so far removed from where we should be. Yeah. Well, you know, we did have the voting age at 21 up until 1971. Yes. That, so, 21 does have some precedents. Well, it was the age you were supposed to get married. Well, you know, whatever the age of majority is, whenever you come into age, whatever we decide as a society, I, that that should be, you know, the trigger for you're an adult. So 30. <laughs> well, no. The other big problem with the this gun bill <clears throat> is the change in the definition of FFL. So if you sell a gun for a profit, so let's say you, I buy a gun from you. Mm-hmm. Oh, which one? Well, but now you might be considered an FFL. So mm-hmm. by doing so, by changing this definition of an FFL, you're essentially saying to sell a gun, I have to get a license and mm-hmm. do background checks. Is the way it's going to be argued. Now, I'm 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 good. I don't sell guns. I just buy them. But what is the cost? I remember I looked into this like 20 years ago. I thought about getting a, a Type Three FFL license, but I, I I don't know. I haven't ever looked into it because of I I don't want the ATF to have all those records on me and what I have in my possession. Hmm. I think the major argument was always cost is that they made it so expensive that the casual seller could not afford to really do it. Yeah. Well, the the problem is if this is a backdoor, which is the way it's being treated to universal background checks, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. You you don't seem so shocked by that uh, well, change as I They've been talking about it for 30 years, dude. Yeah, I recognize that, but the, the there's a big difference between talking have, about it and actually doing it. Well, we have a large number of senators and congressmen. What is it, Dean in the Senate and 11 in, in, in the All House? of them should be noted and voted out of office, by the way. I think everybody should be voted out of office. I'm, I'm going to make a pledge right now today on this show. 
I will not vote for a single incumbent on the next election. I don't care what party they are. No incumbents. It's really time to fix that issue. And the bigger issue is that these are career politicians across the board. Yeah, so you're going to vote for Beto? If if the if he's running against our governor, yeah, hell yeah, because there's no way I'm voting for the lame guy. I said that years <laughs> ago because he, he caved in. I'd rather vote for Beto. Ugh, I don't want to live in that state. But I will say this. I will vote for the libertarian candidate. Well, there you go. Why would I vote for Beto if I would, could vote for the libertarian guy? I've done that most of the time. My point is, I'm not going to vote for any incumbents. I don't care what party they're in. I will not vote for any incumbents I don't like. I, I, I don't believe in party line voting. I've never done that. I always vote for the individual. And if there's not a good alternative, then I will, whenever I fill out my ballot, I fill it. I don't just check all Republican or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And one of my rules is I never vote in an unopposed election. So, mm-hmm. for instance, if someone's running for a judge or something like that and they're running unopposed, I will not vote for them. And the reason why is because of some of the recall laws in Texas, you know, it you have to get more votes than they got in the initial election to recall them. So mm-hmm. why add to that? If they turn out bad, I want to be able to remove them more easily. In addition, it's just the principle of, dude, you're not even running opposed. I'm not voting for you. I, you know, no. Yeah, the unopposed is bullshit, man. It's and it happens a lot in a lot of really key positions, mainly in the judiciary. Yep. And I just do not understand it. Really? No one else wanted to challenge this. You know, anyway, I, I, I think that what we need to start doing, what we need to start saying is people being engaged, running for local office. And, you know, if, if you see someone running for a position unopposed, Oppose them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you win or lose. Just oppose them. Yeah, I did that, and then got snookered into actually running. Well, and you know, e- even if you run and maybe you don't win, or maybe they just trounce you, it's still a note to them to say, "Hey, oh, yeah. I-, I don't have free reign here." Exactly. People will call me into account and check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's on your mind other than, you know? Well, I'm just looking up the cost of FL licensing. So 3000 bucks. So it's definitely higher than most people are willing to spend on a license. Yeah. 3000 bucks plus 500 to do the class three stuff. So if you want to play with full auto guns, it's going to cost you three and a half grand a year, a bunch of paperwork. You may not get approved. And if you do, it may take a year. Uh, and you're going to be allowing inspections of your facilities anytime the ATF wants it. Yeah. So, I mean, depending on how this actually ends up getting interpreted and how the ATF decides to run with this definition of FFL, FFL it could functionally end private sale of firearms. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be a huge thing that the Republicans are responsible for. Not a good one. Well, no, but I mean, no, not a good one. But a major change is what I meant to say by a huge thing. Yeah. No, that's absolutely the case. So I, I guess just going back to the whole argument about, you know, Tim Pool has been definitely pushing the idea of civil wars coming. I think that it's it's going to be instigated by the left, but they've also got the military on their side. Do they? And it's basically going, that's why I said it's going to be a lot more like Waco. I think we're going to have a lot of, a lot, let's put it this way, we'll have way more civilian deaths in the same duration of time than what's happening in Ukraine. 
where Russia is targeting military installation and limiting civilian deaths. Do you think they have... Uh... I think the lefties consider everybody opposed to their opinion, and they control everything right now. They consider everybody opposed to their opinion as a criminal. Yeah, but I, I don't think they control the military. I think oh, the military absolutely will... they do. Are you kidding? In what way? Of course way? they do. In, 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 the, in way the way that they have a president who is the head of the military that is as lefty as we've ever had. Yeah, but I mean, in reality, are they actually going to fall, follow? Do you think they would follow the orders of a senile old man? Someone they're going to follow can't the e- orders. Someone who literally can't even write a mic. Who's going to follow the orders of their superior? This concept that somehow the military has a sense of right and wrong in the, individually is total nonsense. People in the military are going to follow their orders. They've done that for thousands of years. That's how militaries operate. If the Mm -hmm. military decides to switch sides, as sometimes happens, like happened in Egypt, for example, and depose the, uh, the newly elected regime, it's because the military is now under somebody else's political control, not because there are people that grew a consciousness you know, became disillusioned with what's going on politically and decided to flip sides. No, it's the military is the arm of politics that is granted the right to commit atrocities. And this is why our founders did not want us to have a standing army. You know, naval power, being able to project power abroad, but not Mm -hmm. a standing army. This is also why police forces in their current configuration being Our, essentially armies. Military, absolutely. Yes. You, you're seeing what's happening with the, the police department that was completely participating in the murder of those children just recently. They've hired a private law firm to fight against public records disclosures. They want everything sealed that has to do with that shooting. Yeah, now, and the what Gene's referring to is Uvalde, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I guess if somebody's listening to this more than the current time, if it's a past episode, that's true. But, you know, it it makes you wonder, was Alex Jones right? And is there some, uh, you know, non-kosher activities afoot here in terms of what that shooting actually was? Or is this simply the level of entitlement that we've gotten to where everybody in that police department considers themselves to be of a higher rank than the serfs that they're working for. And therefore, there should be exceptions made for them, and they get to decide how they execute their work, not the people that pay their bills. Well, I think it's, an regardless of the motive, it is an overstep, and you know, I, I, I certainly hope... They were we'll, literally tasing people that were trying to get in to save children. Yes, parents. Yeah. Be, let's be specific about that. Parents. So, but it doesn't matter who. I mean, parents or there was also a, a guy that was a border patrol guard, right? Well, I he, mean, like, he ended up going in. But, yeah, but or, he was still being stopped until he ended up going in. They weren't like, oh, yeah, you can go in. Yeah. The, the, the fact of the matter is the police in Uvalde, at the very least, were complicit in what happened. At worst, because of their delay, because of their interaction, they cost additional lives. Mm-hmm. You um, know, back in the olden days, when police acted that way, there was a hanging in town. 
Well, and I, I what I was going to say is I think that this is a step too far. I think them trying to seal the records is going to do nothing but provoke the backlash. So there's already going to be a backlash because of their interaction and what what happened. The fact that they didn't go in guns a-blazing. The first officer that was on the scene should have confronted that shooter. He yep. should have you know, sacrificed his life to try and stop that shooter if needed. Mm-hmm. But that's and, not and what the, happened. Again, this is why I keep going back to the fact that the police, the military, everybody except for firefighters, in my opinion, these people are there to get a paycheck. These are their jobs. The job has certain risks, but they're not going to take those risks given them the opportunity not to take those risks. Yeah. Well, the anyway. only people that I see constantly making a conscious choice to risk their own lives for somebody else's safety with very little compensation to boot is the fire department. To boot. You sounded Canadian there for a to second. Boot. Well, I meant boot, not about. Anyway, I, I tend to agree. You know, my uncle was chief of police at Beaumont, Texas, and he 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 really shaped my opinion on police. He, he had a saying, mm-hmm. I had a job once. I didn't much like it, so I became a police officer. Yeah. I, I wrote a paper in high school that talked about how the difference between police and the criminals that they're apprehending has more to do with the the one or two friends they had than it does with any level of legality or consciousness. I mean, it's it's the same mindset that goes into both professions. Mm-hmm. There, there are people who think that rules don't apply to them. Well, and there are good police. So Jack McLam, you know, who was involved in Ruby Ridge, he was there with Bogarites. He was one of the guys that talked to They're good individuals who happen to work as policemen, but that profession does not create good people. I tend to agree because power corrupts. Anyway, Jack was a police officer in Arizona. He was known as officer friendly. He really pioneered the idea of community policing and, you know, had his officers walking a beat again versus being in the patrol car. One of the things I learned from him is, and this is something that happens in policing today, being in that car separates you from the people. So you get this idea of being separate, of being Absolutely. seen as powerful and everything else versus you were walking the beat. You're vulnerable. You're out there with mm-hmm. them. You're talking. You feel what the people are feeling towards you versus being isolated. And I think that was, a, to me, a, just a very enlightening statement. Yeah. And in the Texas clan, we got a bunch of guys that are ex-cops. They're great guys. For those who didn't listen to last week's unrelenting Cheens in the Clan. Well, yeah, yeah, in the World of Warships clan for Texas video game. What, what was your what was your leader called again? Well, he's he's really into Renaissance fair. Mm-hmm. You know, he does all kinds of masks and stuff. So I think he was a, some kind of dragon. You're not helping your cause here, Gene. I'm just I play video games, man. Uh huh. Uh huh. Any any uh, any crosses burning or white robes involved? When you're sailing a German ship, it typically has swastikas <laughs> on it, but there's not really any kind of, you know, well, I guess the ships burn and they're white, but no, there's no, there's no, what are you, what are you getting at? I, I'm, I'm not liking this, this interrogation <laughs> I'm going through here. It's all good. No, Gene's just, uh, you know, you're a Yankee. It's okay. It's okay. You're just a transplant. I am a transplant. and I, I feel like. You know, there are people that have those bumper stickers about, you know, being the, you know, Texan and all that. And 
I I think I I actually had to make the conscious choice to come to Texas. So, you know, I I wasn't granted the luxury of having been born here. Well, the one you need, the bumper sticker you need is said not born a Texan, but I got here as soon as I could or something yeah, like that. There yeah. you go. The one I always had was Texan by birth, Aggie by the grace of God. And you'd have to be a te- Texan to you know what the fuck that means. Probably. So Texas ain't not, not everybody knows who the Aggies are. Well, my Aggies did pretty well in the World Series, but Oklahoma knocked us out, man. That was that was rough. And I was in Oklahoma when the World that game Series, got lost. Uh, College World Series of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, because that's, that's not a state team, so it's not the World Series. Which is funny anyway. World Series. Who the hell else plays baseball? What other countries? Canada. Japan does, Japan, I guess. Japan. Yeah. Cuba. <laughs> yeah, Cuba and Japan. <laughs> is there even a Canadian team? Yeah. Is there? Blue Jays. Oh, okay. What are they, Vancouver? Toronto. Toronto. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> the opposite sides of the country. <laughs> Gene and geography. <laughs> yeah, we can start a new podcast. <laughs> learn <laughs> geography. Well, How not to not, learn geography they're from just, Gene. They're uh, just not that relevant. That's all. Uh, no, it's it's a... We'll see what happens in Texas, man. I think that there might be a consolidated push for people from the blue states to move here just to flip the laws in the next election. I, you know, I, I think that that's quite possible. You know, the way this decision came down, the way this gun bill is being put out, the way all of this is happening feels very engineered to me, you know, and I, I think Clarence Thomas is an ideologue. I think he's mm-hmm. very true to himself. Kavanaugh, he's Barrett. Shit. Oh, anyway, I, I don't know that this isn't a setup for Build Back Better and Mm-hmm. moving the needle in the direction of what the World Economic Forum wants, a.k.a. Oh, totally. 2030, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah, which in so many ways, that's such a great prediction because there are so many paths to get there and we're literally moving in that direction across multiple paths. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't it, own any digital content you've ever purchased. No, absolutely. It Well, it, Recently, you you may still own some from the past, but not recently for sure. And the convenience wins out every time. You know, I'm as guilty as anybody because I've been buying games on Steam because it's super handy to just click a button and have a game pop up on your computer instantly. Yeah. Back in the old days, we used to go to stores to buy CDs or DVDs with games on them. And, you know, if you don't have kids and you don't want to hand stuff down, then that's mm-hmm. fine. But... You know, if you want to pass down your library or your music collection or anything yeah. like that, that's no longer a thing. Nope. Of course, kids usually just sell that shit, but yeah. Yeah, but at least there's an economic transfer. This is just wasted. Yeah, it's we're, we're going to a society of leasing and renting versus owning. Well, and with interest rates moving and changing, I don't know about in Austin, but here the housing market is already feeling it. Really? No, Austin market is still pretty pretty strong, but that's the Austin market is mostly fueled by two things. One is Californians selling a two bedroom house for one and a half million in California and moving to Austin going, Oh my god, I can get four bedrooms for a million and a half. And then the other issue is we've had a lot of corporate housing purchasing going on in order to rent houses to a lot of the people moving here 
to Tesla and other companies because the, the rental market's like crazy. Prices have tripled on what rents used to be from 10 years ago. Yeah, a friend of mine in DFW was just complaining to me that their rent went up by 12 or 15% this year. Yeah, I mean, people are like rents increasing literally a thousand bucks in the course of a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, even a 12 to 15% increase is pretty substantial. Well, that's inflation. True. True. I mean, that's our, our inflation at best is 15 and probably more realistically is about 23 right now based on the shadow stat stuff. Well, and for those who don't know, that's looking at, you know, prices of gas, for example, and staple goods and thing, you know, calculating inflation the way we did up until about the 1970s. I think the late 80s is that when it changed. Carter made some changes to the way it was done because of the inflation that was going on under him. Now, the Shadow Stats model may be the same from the 80s, but the original changes in the way inflation happened was under Carter. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, same thing as... And I, I really think that Biden, barring a civil war and him being Buchanan, at the at the best, he will be a Carter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think he's outcarded Carter already. Yeah. So if we don't have a civil war and he doesn't become Buchanan, who do you think is going to be the next Reagan DeSantis? Probably not. No. Although I do like DeSantis and I totally plan on voting for him. I don't care if he's on the ticket or not. I'm voting DeSantis. Mm-hmm. But uh, it'll have to be somebody that came from the liberal side and is prominent and flip-flops. Why is that? That's what Reagan was. I mean, so you could be making the argument for Trump there. No, definitely not. Way too old. <laughs> no, it's got to be somebody way younger. Well, I, you know, you could, uh, what's the congresswoman from Hawaii, former? Yeah, yeah. She could be that. And, she uh, has to run. She's not running Gabby, right now. What was her, what was her name? Oh, God damn it. What is her name? I'm actually subscribed <laughs> to her stuff. See, now you're making me blank out. I'm going to look her up. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. I wanted to, I kept wanting to say Gabby Carter, but that's a totally different no. person. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Not no, sure I, I like her. She looks good in the bikini. I mean, you know, the important bits. A little uh, old for you, though. Oh, she's, on a lot of counts, she is the most reasonable of people who still call themselves left. And I keep waiting for her to drop that moniker. Yeah. Because the party sure as hell doesn't want her. The party's left her. I I can see her as a vice presidential candidate. So, you know, and I'm just blanking on names today, but there was the the ticket a while back where you had a Republican and the independent guy running together. Hmm. The little short guy. I can't remember. Little short guy. Yeah. What, the caucus? No, anyway, doesn't matter. I can okay. see a mixed ticket. I can see. I can see. DeSantis I think she's more likely to be nominated to to be the head of some department by a Republican president. Mm, that's a possibility. You know, whatever the thing that she's interested in that they're willing to give her. Yeah, I I, I can see a Trump DeSantis ticket really taking over. And you know, if Trump got in there and just said. You're fired to everybody, mm-hmm. uh, and then let DeSantis rebuild for eight years after, and we had good twelve solid years. I mean, that could be a good thing, but I don't know, man. I don't see the left would lose their collective minds, and maybe they just eat themselves, and it fizzles I, out. See, this but... is where I, I think it's impossible for Trump to get reelected. 
and I don't think he ought to be running because I don't think he should be running either. But I think he's regardless going to. of the fact that he got more votes than any past candidate in the history of elections for the president, he still lost. And if somebody thinks that the the liberals are going to allow Trump to get elected again, they're insane. It, it's going to be a much stronger effort if he's the lead candidate to where instead of, you know, collecting ballots from 100 people, they're going to collect ballots from 1,000 people, half of whom are dead. Mm-hmm. But they, they will guarantee that Trump loses. And the Supreme Court will once again say no one has standing in an election. So the only people that can sue are the two people running. Everybody else has no standing as far as they're concerned, which is, I think, a misinterpretation of the law. But they get to do that because they're the Supreme Court. Did you see that the Texas GOP said that Biden is not a legitimate president? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that. Yeah. But, you know, whatever, we're not, we're not moving that towards civil war. Doesn't really mean anything, but sure. I, I, I actually think it's pretty symbolic. Yeah, that's all it is. That's my point. Is it's purely symbolic, right? But it's a, it's symbolic. It doesn't of affect where the, the states, legislature is. But it going. doesn't affect the state's interaction with the federal government, even though the state believes that the federal no, government a, is illegitimate. Well, it's a party, but it's the party in control of the state of Texas mm-hmm. currently. So yeah, but nothing's changed since that came out. Is my point? No, nothing has changed except you know we, we're it's, going to be moving. It's just symbolic. We, but it's the rhetoric. I mean, what happens bef- before any war or any civil conflict or strife? The the rhetoric increases, people yeah. get violent, and then you either resolve the conflict and the issue mm-hmm. or it eventually goes kinetic. And, you know, this is one thing that I, I get in arguments about surprisingly frequently, you know, the argument that violence is never the answer. No, at some point, Violence is the only answer that is left. To oh, you. yeah. Violence is really the only answer ever. Everything else is just negotiation. Well, everything. Without everything the threat of violence, the, exactly. there's no need to negotiate. Exactly. And where we're headed is the, I mean, look at what has happened over the last few years. Look at what. And I'm a pacifist. Largely, I am as well. But what I would say is it one side has exercised violence so far, not the other. Yeah. Yeah. And the the backlash is coming. Oh, yeah. But we've been saying that for a long time. So the real question is, are we saying that the backlash is coming this year, this decade, the next 100 years? Because <laughs> I, I don't have a good pulse well, on when it's coming because all I hear is rhetoric. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, when this started – in the first civil war, it took about 30 years worth of buildup. I think that you could say that the first real tear in this, in, in, in where we're at today could be Bush v. Gore, right? You Mm. go back to that and people saying Bush is an illegitimate president and, you know, the left not wanting to accept that election and, you know, going from there and it's Mm -hmm. being, you know, it's building, building, building. So you know, even if you don't take that as an initial start point and you just look at what the rate of escalation over the last couple of years, I, I don't see I don't see us getting out of this decade without either an authoritarian boot on our necks or some massive, massive political shifts and changes. Yeah. 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 And it's 
You know, when we had the uh, the protesters here in Austin blocking the streets and the uh, one of the guys ended up feeling threatened and shot mm-hmm. pro- a protester that was blocking coming the up road. To, yeah, mm-hmm. well, not beating, just blocking, beating but on a, his car. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think he had a gun as well. But you know, when that happened, I was like, "Oh, well, let's see if this is something that starts happening across the country where people have had enough." We're going to have a moment where this is going to be flipping the switch and saying, no, you guys don't get to do whatever you want and build violence unchallenged because the all the attorney generals have been put in by Soros and no one's willing to actually arrest these folks or at least to, I mean, they're arrested, but they're, they're released instantly because the prosecutors are not prosecuting. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to your argument about like, we should have grand juries for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really didn't happen. It just like, it kind of slowed down the protests here in Austin, but that's about it. Well, and, and Rittenhouse would be another case of the same sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I think the post Rittenhouse protests in Wisconsin probably slowed down and Illinois protests probably slowed down, but there's not enough of that. And I, I don't mean not enough violence. What I mean is not enough people that are pushing back. So he, here's where I think that may change. And I think that this this abortion decision is why I think it's going to be a catalyst. Mm-hmm. So you already have calls to violence from the left. You mm-hmm. already have calls to ignore the laws. And... W- you know, there's been predictions and we'll see what happens over the weekend. There wasn't much that happened last night other than, you know, raiding of the Arizona State House, which is significant. But I think you're going to see churches and, you know, these pro-life clinics mm-hmm. burned. And I think what you're going to see, uh, you know, and Tim has called, you know, protect your churches and do all this. Well, I, man, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to kill someone over a building, and I don't want to. Oh, I would have be, no problem doing I, that. I, yeah, I don't want to put myself doing that for. I don't want to put myself in that position. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I, I'm not going to go out and protect a church and yeah. stop someone from burning it down. I'm not going to go protect a clinic and stop someone from burning it down at the cost of a human life. But I'm telling you right now, there are people who are going to. Well, good. I mean, I think that. If that happens, then we'll see actual change. But my suspicion is that there'll be very few and far between. There'll be one here, one there. There's not going to be enough of a mass movement to quell the violence that's happening from the other side. The only way to stop violence, and this is why police are armed, is with violence. There is no talking, one of these black block Antifa people talking to them and changing their mind. It doesn't happen. It's not ever going to happen. The The only thing that people that are committing violence understand is a greater inflection of violence upon them. That's it. That, that's, it literally is the argument for having police in the first place. Well, yeah. And when you say violence, you don't necessarily mean equivalent. What you mean is... Oh, it's so got to doing- be stronger. So doing them in whatever mean by whatever means necessary. So I, I don't know, man. I, I think that... Well, I'll give you an example. Violence is what happened with the January 6th nonviolent protesters. The response back at them by the federal government 
has been greatly more violent than their violence in coming into the uh, capital. Yeah, absolutely. The, People it, have the been pre- sitting in, in solitary prison for combined. over a year. Yep. Yeah, in solitary, over a year without charges. Yep. And not a single court is willing to do anything about that. Which it further degradation of our society and why the this all is going to have to fall to these fall people down. because of political opinion. Yeah, and this is why it's a problem. Yeah. And you know what? What I'm saying though is, I I think that I. So here here's something that you may not see because you're not in the same circles I am. I'm seeing churches who have organized security details where the parishioners have, you know, since some of the church shootings and things like that come Mm -hmm. together and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to conceal carry. We're going to, you know, be strategically placed in church and so on and so forth. I see some of these churches putting up people to watch the church and to make sure, because there is a fear that some of these leftist terrorists are going to burn things down. They will. That's okay. their motive. That's and magically bricks and gasoline appear every time. Right. So what I, what I'm saying though is, I, I think the churches and some of these groups are already preparing a response and are it, it's going to be it's going to be a some long summer of civil strife is what I fully. Well, expect. I hope you're right. I don't. No, because the alternative is worse. The well, alternative is a further erosion of rights because there is no pushback. The alternative is the next compromise bill that'll come out of Congress won't be for 18-year-olds. It'll be for 50-year-olds. Ah, you're too old to own a gun. You're senile now. Sorry. Yeah. And let's uh, jack the tax on ammo to some unreasonable amount of money. So, oh, you're too poor to own the gun. Sorry. Remember, there there are two things that I would say. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. You know, I, I, I'm all for that. All for what? I'm all for a big reset. I think that people have fucked up things so much lately that without some kind of a big reset taking place, that we're we're fast moving to what Jones described as prison planet. Yeah. And, you know, that I agree. But with that big reset, there's even people calling for a convention of the states, which, you know. No, 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 no. We need a revolution, not a convention. Well, but anytime you do that, you you are gambling on the outcome. Yeah, but because that gamble is better than the alternative. And right now, people clearly think the alternative is better than the gamble. Yeah. Like, well, they things couldn't get that bad, so it's really not worth trying to push any harder on this issue. You you have people that were voted in to protect our civil rights, including the Second Amendment, of whom a significant enough portion has decided to play nice with their counterparts in the Senate and the House instead of serving the constituents that elected them. They don't care because so they what, know nothing's going to change. They know they're going to get reelected. I sent that letter to Cornyn saying, hey, congratulations on your last term. He's going to get reelected. People maybe. aren't going to do what I'm doing. They're not going to throw the bastards out. They so, don't care because they have people that have done the math. They've, they've got actuarials predicting the outcomes of these things. So what's your line where you say, okay, violence is now an option. I'm picking up arms. 
So I think that when I'm threatened with violence, I will respond accordingly. Well, that that's not what I asked, but you know, I, I'm just saying at what point. Well, that is the point. It's mm-hmm. so far I haven't been threatened with violence. You know, ab- abortion is not a major issue for me. <laughs> so if I am threatened with violence and it becomes a major issue, well, then I will respond accordingly. What's yours? Well, I, I mean, part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast with you is because I think that we are getting to that watershed moment and, you know, crossing the Rubicon is imminent. And once we get to that point in overturn, any hope for nonviolent means of resolution go out the window. So I'm lending my voice to this and saying these things as a warning and trying to get my ideas heard. Mm-hmm. That said, you know, what I what I told my wife the other day is when I feel like I need to hide my guns, it's time to use them. So Yeah, I have heard you say that. That that that's a that that's my line. I'm yeah. I'm not gonna So is the gun issue the only issue you'd be willing to become violent about? No. But I'm not gonna do it over, you know, abortion. That's not that's not yeah. my line in the sand. I know it is for a lot of people, but you know, I, I think that, man, I don't know. I, I just really would like Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, just let's leave. Just let, let, let the rest of it burn down. But, you know, that's not going to be a panacea either, because even though we have a, at least so far, a conservative majority, all three of the cities have liberal majorities. Mm-hmm. And actually, I don't know about San Antonio, but definitely Austin, Houston, and DFW have liberal majorities dallas not fort worth and most of the mid cities and well, so on are dfw as a unit certainly is more liberal than conservative it's pretty close to 50 50 um, well they vote liberal if you look at the voting maps they voted liberal conservative uh, conservatives don't have enough to take those votes yeah well you also have towns up there that have had armed police for quite a while i mean the, there are lots of pockets of conservatism up there and, you know, out, outside of downtown Dallas and downtown Fort Worth, you're pretty conservative. Yeah, I think certainly as you start getting further out. But I would say where I used to live in Frisco, it's less conservative now than it used to be. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. But Frisco's still pretty conservative. Grapevine, Irving, you know. But anywhere you have big cities and big population centers, you skew left just because mm-hmm. you're so on top of each other and... Because you're so on top of each other, you wish to enforce things more. The more you spread out and get away from each other and people aren't impacting your daily life, you don't care as much. No, you really don't. That is true. But just to throw some uh, counter opinion on that topic, though, why, why did the people living out in the country give a shit if their neighbors are screwing somebody of the same sex? I... I don't know that Why they is it do. that those, well, I mean, right now, we've certainly moved a long ways, but historically, these were the areas, the sort of Baptist South that was very opposed to any kind of homosexuality. I mean, Baptists are also supposedly against drinking, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So, here, here's the thing. For me, I, I, I think that there are, for me, I, I don't think there's, degrees of sin. If you're asking my religious beliefs, I would say the wages of sin is death. And I am a sinner just as much as anyone else. And when I sin, 
it's no different than when someone does something that I don't like sins. So it, it really depends on the person and their interpretation. I think it's more of a tribalism thing than anything. And this is one of the things that I avoid by, you know, having my rational mind versus playing team sports. And that's really what it comes down to is, oh, they're not like us. They're different. It's the disgust mechanism. It's Mm -hmm. the othering. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that's a great lifestyle. It's not something I would ever engage in, but do I care if my neighbor does it? No, Mm -hmm. I, I also don't care if he goes and does something with his animals, you know, it, whatever, you know, who cares? Right. I, it's not me. It's not mine. Doesn't impact me. I'm not yep. one of those people who thinks gay marriage somehow lessens marriage as a whole right. may lessen yours, but my marriage is between me, my wife and God, not anyone else. Well, that, that makes sense, but I don't know how we get on this topic, but it's definitely one of those things where we're talking about conservatism in rural yeah, life I guess r- versus rural not. life. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, there is no panacea here. Texas, Oklahoma, et cetera, not a panacea. Living out in the country versus city, certainly better. It's not perfect either. No. The, you, you, you could be the one guy stuck with a shitty neighbor, even if you live in the middle of nowhere. So it's a, it's one of those things where you just have to make your life be less dependent on what others do and think. Well, and what people need to what what I would hope for, and I think the way out of this is to be kinder and better people to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for the guys that are throwing Molotov cocktails at you. Well, you know, they can get a Darwin Award. In all in all, just you know, with everything that's going on and what I see happening, I, I we we kind of talked about it last night a little bit. I've never been one to conceal carry. I, yep. I've had, you know, weapons in my vehicle, things like that. But I'm definitely considering it. Yeah, and I've done it for decades, but I I don't do it consistently. It's it's sort of like depending on, you know, whether I remember to or not. I, I'm just being honest. I mean, it's one of those things. Like I, well, I used to be a, a firearms instructor. I was a guy certifying people to be to be able to carry concealed mm-hmm. back when it was harder to do so and uh, i think i actually told the story but i predominantly worked with the military personnel that were returning back from service overseas and getting them in a different mindset than what they had over there and it's it's a big difference and it's actually the opposite of what people think the mindset isn't that hey you can't be you know shooting all these bad guys around you. The mindset is is actually you don't have to worry or you don't have to wait to get permission from a higher up to shoot. Like that is within your purview at this point. You, you, you're constantly walking around with a, a permission to engage the bad guys. The, the problem is you don't know who the bad guys are because they look just like you. They're not wearing turbans. Yeah, I, and that's part of policing and former military joining police forces that I actually have a problem with is mm-hmm. because, you know, the idea of the enemy, the job of the police is not to stop crime. It's to investigate and, you know, take care of things after the fact. I, I, I think police are too 
itchy on engaging with what they see as the enemy. And, you know, that's the unarmed populace, as it were, in a lot of places. Because the fact of the matter is, the average person isn't caring. So the the population walks around in the U.S. the majority of the time totally disarmed, regardless of whether or not they have guns at home or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think it was much better in the in the Old West, where if you're a man, you were expected to carry. I mean, I, movies aside, you know, I, I think there was some validity to that, that it was better in a lot of ways. But not even the Old West. I mean, my great-grandfather carried a weapon to work even, you know, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So, I don't know. Is he a banker? Engineer. He worked for Magnolia Oil. Oh, that sounds like a dangerous job to me. Can they make oil out of Magnolias? I didn't realize that was a thing. Magnolia Oil was bought by Shell. It, It was just the name. Oh, so it's actually dinosaur oil. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I'm just making fun here. Magnolia is an interesting tree because it smells like something rotting, but it has very pretty flowers. Beautiful tree. Yeah, just doesn't smell good. Second half of show material here. Got a question for you. Yeah, got an answer. What do you think of abiotic oil? Oh, I mean, we certainly don't know everything about oil, and we're taking a lot of guesses, so I couldn't rule it out, but... I would always look for a reproduction that can be demonstrated as to what the process is. Well, I mean, the question that comes to my mind is how do you, how are we finding oil as deep as we are given current tectonic theory and everything else? It seems to be impossible that oil is as deep as it is. And the sweeter crudes are at the bottom and just, you know, there's lots and lots of things there that. Yeah. I mean, it points to the fact that we just don't know this very well, but the the molecules that exist here are mostly recycled material. Yes. Right. So the, the carbon, the hydrogen that we have now, it had to come from somewhere. Well, yes, but you could have elemental. I mean, so you could have elemental carbon, things like that, that under geothermal stresses and everything else, forms oil uh, well i think you have to i mean how do you how else do you explain oil well the but i'm saying without biological material being involved so the real question would be was there oil prior to life on earth and my completely not physics and science brain says i doubt it <laughs> well you should look up at the uh, you should look at the rational wiki page on abiotic oil i think you'd find it mm-hmm. interesting uh, uh, what wiki wiki okay yeah the, the 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 problem i have with the current theories about oil production and everything else is that they assume that you know, oil is a scarce resource that we are running out of, and mm-hmm. I don't think we know enough to do that titration experiment. So I don't think it is a, a resource we're running out of. We've had billions of years to build up enough space earth. materials yep. to be underground. Why would it be run out anytime soon? Well, and when I say a titration experiment, what I mean is uh, if you have a bathtub full of water, Mm-hmm. and you undo the stopper and start letting water drain out. But at the same time, you turn the spigot on to full. Yeah. Is the bathtub going to overflow, or is the bathtub going to drain? Yeah, it and depends on how much water, right? Well, it depends on how much water is coming in and how much water is going out. Well, last time I checked... Or if well, the size of the bathtub is increasing. 
Well, the size of the bathtub is the constant, but yes. Well, the universe is increasing in size. Yeah, but the How Earth we know is that not. Everything isn't. What? Uh, I'm sorry. So you 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 think the space between atoms is growing greater? It might be. We don't know. I, I think we do. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm not so positive, dude. See, I'm a philosopher. I'm not a science and made up. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, the other thing, the, the, we didn't talk about this last time because we skipped that week, but the, the trans episode of Strange New Worlds came out. Oh, yeah. I haven't been watching it. So you tell me. Yeah. So not super in your face. In fact, again, with makeup and everything else and Mm -hmm. aliens and so on, I I don't know that I would have pegged this actress as that to begin with, but they are setting her up as a reoccurring character and they did a tie in to Star Trek five and uh, Spock's brother and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they take that. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was not, it was not so in your face that, you know, it was just a problem. So I read your, your link here on the rational wiki to abiotic oil where they say it's basically just wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if you're actually going to follow through with that or not. Well, it took me a while, but now I found the page. It's not very obvious, but uh, you know, I I think I think there there's a lot to be said for what science has been able to document and the the repeatability of experiments that can be conducted using scientific method, but it doesn't mean that we by any stretch have all the answers and that's something that everybody i think eventually notices as you get older you start to see more things that you learned when you were young be demonstrated to have been bad assumptions and does like, that invalidate uh, being all planet? science what you mean like pluto being a planet hey fuck you man pluto still <laughs> is a planet i agree that was personal i that agree is, with you <laughs> yeah Arbitrary switches is what I'm pointing out. Yeah, well, and, you know, they're, they're, they try to cover up for it. Well, no, it's still a planetoid, you know, it's still, it's still like, we're just saying it's not the only planet out there. There's a bunch of, of these big rocks floating around, just like Pluto, so we're not going to call all of them planets. They're planetoids. Well, like, so... Fuck you, that's a planet. Pluto is an interesting case because it is in an orbit similar to the rest of the planets, mm-hmm. but... Pluto and its moon are very close in size and they have an orbit where they revolve around each other's center of mass, not the way the moon revolves around the earth. They resolve, they revolve around the center of mass between them. So well, every, it, it is every a little moon different. does that dude. That that's just, that is science. Mm. The, the the central point between the Earth and the Moon just happens to be underneath the surface of the Earth, but the Moon doesn't revolve around the center of Earth. It revolves I, around the common gravitational I, center point. Yes, I understand that, but okay. the difference is the difference is the Earth does not revolve around the. They are, we does. are not. No, no, no. the The mass disparity is such that the center of mass between the Earth and the Moon. Mm-hmm. is in the earth as you pointed out yeah. and that is that is the common thing so to, for instance to functionally say that jupiter co-orbits with its moons it really doesn't there's such well, the a mass sun disparity absolutely co-orbits with jupiter yes because of the mass mm-hmm. similarities but mm-hmm. still there's a m- 
big difference between the sun and Jupiter. There is, yes. One of them never got to be a sun. Yeah. We, so we, Jupiter we is pretty close to being able to a, a dual a sun binary system. system. Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been, been, been awesome. Imagine yeah, those sunsets and sunrises. Do you really want Jupiter to be a brown dwarf? I don't think that'd be a great thing. No, I want it to be a red dwarf. It's not big Just enough. a little more mass. Just that's all we need. Just a little more mass in Jupiter. Yeah, so I'm going to have to I've seen too many out. sci-fi fantasy pictures of binary system sunrises to not want that. Just saying. So why did you get on the topic of Pluto again? Explain that one. I was just saying how you oh, were talking about science change. changes right, and right, right, it's right. It, yeah, yeah. just an arbitrary change versus we yeah. learned anything different. Yeah. Like when I was young, we were worried about global cooling and the coming ice age. Mm-hmm. That has not been the case for a while. <laughs> yeah. So just as a point of reference, even though Jupiter is, you know, big, the mm-hmm. diameter of Jupiter is 140,000 kilometers. Mm-hmm. The diameter of the sun is a million, 400,000 kilometers. Yep. So over a 10x difference there, right at a 10x difference. Yep. And? Just saying. The sun is bigger than Jupiter. Yes, we can probably agree on that, but eventually the sun will become even bigger and then it'll become even smaller. Yeah. So Pluto is 2,000 kilometers in diameter. Mm-hmm. Slight, slight difference there. Well, how big is the moon of Pluto? I would have to look that up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. So you just, you didn't look up Jupiter. You just had that number on top of your head. I did, but the, oh. the tool I'm using right now doesn't have Pluto, <laughs> the, the, all the moons. Just, uh-huh. just as a reference, though, our moon yeah. is larger than Pluto. Yeah, totally. By a thou- over a thousand kilometers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but Pluto's still a planet. Pluto doesn't rotate around another planet, which is the 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 distinction of moons. Do you have any other examples of science changing? That's I think where we were going with this. Oh, arbitrarily, sure. Mm-hmm. The I I think Babylon B hit it very well with the what is a woman. Well, that's a damn good question that no one knows the answer to. (laughs) Well, apparently they do, though. I don't know that they do. I think they may have temporal perceptions of what a woman is, but even the term woman, what does that actually mean? All it means is just not man. Mm. Mm -hmm. even, Even the ancients who created our language didn't know what the hell a woman was. I don't know, kind of like a dude, but not completely, <laughs> sort of, more attractive in the way, but not necessarily. I mean, what, like, you don't know. Nobody knows. Well, after the Roe decision, they certainly seem to. I mean, all the women's rights have been removed. Right? Oh, but not Acacia or AOC. That was very careful to say this is a, a women's and men's rights issues because plenty of men have, you know, want to have abortions, apparently. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if CEOs of companies are paying for the travel, I might want Which to be in are. Hawaii. Yeah, pretty I'm much able. every large company and some small ones are. Yeah, I think I, I think I need to go to Hawaii. I agree with you. I think I'm starting to feel like I just might be pregnant right now. Well, I mean, quite frankly, if anyone asks, I mean, you you can show them your physique. You know, 
you're not uh, quite at the height. <laughs> yeah, you're not quite at the Bill Gates level, but you know, it's so yeah. funny, man. The no, Bill Gates are... <laughs> appears a little more pregnant than I do. But I mean, I probably appear more like the what's his name, the dwarf character in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just funny seeing Bill Gates in that blue shirt, you you know, with his gut, and then the <laughs> pregnant man emoji. Uh huh. Like, uh huh. It's not a pregnant man emoji. It's just Bill Gates. Yeah. How did Bill Gates get an emoji on an Apple iPhone? That's what I want to know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Not just Apple, Android too. Well, and, and he's a guy that's been wanting to greatly increase the number of abortions or at least prevent conception. So he's got to be feeling pretty bad right about now. Yeah, it's okay. He'll make up for it by, you know, releasing mosquitoes with vaccines in them. Which, by the is way, that, is that how it usually works? Have you been tracking the, uh, the Pfizer data and what, what's out there now no something uh, new yeah so adam and them brought it up on no agenda the other day yeah i'm but, a few episodes behind so looking at this the, there is no doubt mm. of the impact of these vaccines and mm. the especially on motility of sperm mm. being impacted majorly eggs mm. fertilization issues spontaneous abortions lots and lots of things here but it's all uh, as expected stuff. Yes, but it's actually coming to the public floor. floor. Yeah. And that, that. I mean, it's really tough because, on the one hand, these are not good things. On the other hand, I kind of have a little bit of that, well, if you took the damn vaccine, you deserve it mentality. Yeah. Well, I, I guess. And I have relatives that have taken it, but I feel I exactly the same way about them. It's like you made a conscious decision to do something stupid. Why do you expect something good to be the result of that stupidity? But what about the people who were somewhat forced into it? Nobody was forced into it. You don't think? Nope. Nobody had a gun to their heads. You could always quit your job. An economic gun is still... That's not a gun. No. Threat of homelessness and so on. That is... No. No. Are you saying that you had the only single job you could ever have for the rest of your life... Because you have so few skills that you could not possibly do anything else. And the safety net of the government, which spends about $60,000 per person Mm -hmm. in the program, is not sufficient enough to provide you an alternative. And therefore, you have to keep working at your job. I mean, Gene, I changed jobs over vaccine mandates myself. That's exactly right. Most of my friends had as well. Most people I know are pure bloods. Yeah, when when but, the when the CEO of the company I was working for last said he didn't want to mandate vaccines, but he felt he had a right to, I decided mm-hmm. I didn't want to work for him anymore. Yeah, so exactly. I, I I get your opinion, but I am saying that there are some people who know they can't go get a job easily because age, ages on ah, things well, like you just that. Said, easily being the key word. Yeah, so easily. If you're more willing to sacrifice your personal health by taking an experimental gene therapy. Let's call it what it is. Then you are at looking for another job. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, you kind of get what you deserve. I, I'm just. There's a, a big difference between that and the completely forced vaccinations done by Bill Gates in Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Those people did not have a choice. They were taking whole villages with white men in white coats coming and just stabbing people. That, I think, is absolutely a war crime. Well. The amount of deaths that were caused by some of the vaccinations that they put out, the instances of polio that have kicked back up that are Mm -hmm. directly related to the vaccine and not just wild polio. There's lots of things there that is very troubling. 
It, the, it's literally like learning, let's say, learning three pages worth of commands in a computer programming language that you've never understood before mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I got this. I can make a hello world program. Let me write the new operating system. I can I can tweak the shit out of this thing and fix bugs that people that knew what the fuck they were doing, and that's God for you religious types, uh, you know, they didn't they made mistakes. I'm gonna fix those mistakes now. Yeah, and you're an idiot. You're an idiot to trust in something that is so poorly understood that has not been thoroughly tested and vetted. I like why? Why would you do that? You look at Fauci and how how could anybody trust to even buy a rug from this guy, far less an experimental gene therapy treatment. And he's got a, a reputation literally written about in books about the atrocities committed during the AIDS epidemic with him in charge. Well, the fact that... We made AIDS a nationwide disease because of him. The fact that Kennedy hasn't been sued out of existence tells you the the real-world impact of his book on Fauci. It it. Mm-hmm. it, it it obviously is legitimate, and his claims are not spurious. Otherwise, Fauci would have sued him for defamation. But Fauci's problem is he knows he can't prove that in court. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's insane. And this is where I go back to Trump's errors and the fact that the guy does not know how to hire people at all, and that he relies way too heavily on the opinions of others who are very self-serving and the same people that effectively sabotage him for the last two years were the ones he was relying on for the first two years. When he hired John Bolton, I... I... What the fuck was that all about? Nobody <laughs> should be hiring Jack Bolton. How how does he get talked into this? He just either doesn't care or doesn't know or both, but neither neither one is good. That's why I'm not voting for him next time. The only good thing Trump could do is come in and really dismantle it all. So He's you know, not he... going to do it. Guaranteed. This is the problem. He had two years to do it when he first came in. If he didn't do it then, at this point, he's now a politician. He's no longer the the non-politician coming into politics to clean things up. Because when he was that, and he failed to do what he should have done and what everybody voted and expected him to do. I mean, he deregulated a lot. Not enough. I mean... He deregulated a lot. I, I'm surprised he got done well, what he got done. Well, quantify what you mean by a lot, because I don't think it's a lot. For every regulation they put in, they removed two. That's bullshit. That's just a made-up number. Um, Show me where that is actually calculated, because I don't believe it. Well, he you talk go, while I Google. He didn't go to wars, which is good. Uh, you know, I can list some good things about him that are incontrovertible. Yeah, he bombed Syria, though. That was not cool. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that... He allowed a lot of his administrative decisions to be made by people who had contrary opinions to the people who elected him. And that is one of his greatest faults, is that he was willing to let others make decisions and agree to them when he wasn't personally affected by the topic. I don't want that guy in there again, because he didn't do it the first time. Sure, so isn't going to do it this time. So, but did you see the story talking about how Trump is now the most popular U.S. president in terms of polling liked in Mexico? <laughs> no, I hadn't seen that. Mexicans, yeah, they do polls, I guess, to see what you know our neighbors think of our presence. He is the number one president according to Mexican polling data. 
Interesting. Which which is great for a guy that was talking about forcing Mexico to build the wall to keep them out. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. So Trump versus Bush and Obama. Bush mm-hmm. put in right at seven thousand regula- new regulations, almost two thousand of which were significant. This where is from you, the Cato where are you reading this from? Cato Institute. Okay. Uh, Obama was six thousand seven hundred. Again, almost two thousand significant regulations. Trump was 4,000 total new regulations, 1,000 mm-hmm. of which were significant. And deregulation acts, neither Bush or Obama removed a single regulation. And under under Trump, he removed about 300. So, you know. Yeah, I don't believe that. I think that's, again, propaganda, dude. There's no way that Bush and Obama didn't remove any regulations because there are plenty of regulations that were contrary to what they ran on. Well, I will send you what the Cato Institute went through. I know, I'm just saying Cato is biased in this matter, and I'm not going to believe it. Actually, Cato in this article is pretty, again, taking the line that you are. So, anyway. Yeah, but you can't have a number like, neither Obama nor Bush removed any regulations, because I guarantee you I'm going to bring a list of what they have removed right now. Okay. All right, go ahead. Well, Your turn to talk while I do the research. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Ben and Gene Google things. Uh, you know, uh, if we were doing this on YouTube, that would be a much more interesting show. We could do a split, split, split screen of our Googling activities. <laughs> uh, for the record, I'm using DuckDuckGo, but yeah, which mm-hmm. I need to stop. It's it, yes, when they came you out need and to, censored. You need to be I using just... the other thing, the uh, the ones that don't track and sell your shit. Yeah, Neva is kind of an interesting business model for a search engine, but they're a pain in the ass to use because you got to sign in. So I don't like that. I've and just been using, and it's not very good, but I've just been using the, the built-in one in Brave. Yeah, I don't use Brave, though, so that's, that's Oh, a, that's, that's right. A problem. You're on that archaic browser. Yes. I, I just don't like Chromium-based browsers. What do you want from me? Whatever. I, I just don't think that the one you're using is better. That's all. Uh, well... It it works for me. I've got my tweaks in it, you know. After years and years and years of oh, you've setting plugged your own up. version. Got it? No, 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 no. But I use oh. certain extensions. I've got things set up the way I want. It's it's like changing laptops. It's not easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. It's a it, it, literally changing certain technology stacks like a laptop or a browser is equivalent to moving into a new house almost for me. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to change. As somebody who just had to rebuild their computer from a crashed SSD, mm-hmm. believe me, I, I'm well aware of the difficulty of bringing things back to the same state. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a major interruption to your life in lots of ways. And when I couldn't imagine how somebody that doesn't have any computing, you know, skills mm-hmm. to to like, how do they deal with stuff like this? They don't. They take it to other people and pay them or. They call, you know, like, uh, come on, you're not tech support for your family? No. Really? How'd you get out of that one? They're all Mac people. (laughs) But I'm pumped. (laughs) No, it's my dad's always been very computer knowledgeable because he was an engineer. So is my mom. My sister's a programmer. Gotcha. (laughs) I need to keep going. (laughs) Okay, cool. Good for you. Yeah, so I've not been tech. In fact, if I have technical conversations that's usually where i start getting challenged by having the wrong opinion <laughs> like like kind of like you Ukraine. use a mac yeah uh-huh 
Uh-huh. Well, and I do, and I, I I've talked about this too. Like I've well, I, maybe not on the podcast, but you know, I've been using a Mac literally since 1986. There's always yeah. been a Mac. I I've I'm by by what's the right term by operating systems or by whatever. I use both Mac and PC, hmm. and I've I've had PCs running probably since about 1992. So not as long as Max, but I kind of find that each has their own advantages. I can do more quick and dirty building of stuff on the PC, you know, but I used to program on the Mac, but I really haven't for many years. Last thing I did was like a iPhone app, like 12 years ago or something. Yeah. What was the app? It was an app for backing up your photo library to Amazon. This was before Dropbox, before all that shit was around. Mm. So and just it, using it, an S3 bucket connector. You got it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So just doing automated backups. Because back then, your only other option was iCloud. So it's either iCloud or nothing. I'm surprised they even let you publish that to the App Store because of the you know Apple's non-competitive nature um yeah well i didn't finish the app so it never i was in i just had privately published i never put it out there yeah so still had some bugs yeah this is one of the problems i have with apple you know oh you can't have an app that competes with our app yeah that is kind of bullshit i agree with you i think it's i i'm perfectly okay with them having rules for the store to keep apps that are literally broken or you know gonna steal your data from being in a store but that same rule should not be applied to simply competitive apps. Like, how is that not, you know... Anti-competitive? Been, yeah, exactly. Like, how how have they not won... Or how have other companies not won lawsuits against them for that kind of anti-competitive behavior? I mean, my God, if Microsoft can be threatened to be broken up over Internet Explorer being included right. with Windows, exactly. how is that not the same thing? Yeah, it's worse. Because at least you could download something else with Explorer and never use it again. Yeah, which, which is what most people do. Which there have been memes going around. You know, the the it, rip Internet Explorer, the best tool for downloading other browsers ever invented. Yeah, things like that. Exactly, because no one's going to FTP sites to download other browsers. So it's pretty much always done with Internet Explorer. The irony is that we're actually in Edge right now in my system because I. I keep Edge completely free of any plugins and nothing else in it so that I can run Zencaster in it. Why is that? Well, I have to pick a browser. It doesn't matter which one, but I wanted to separate because other browsers like that I have, like Brave, are very configured with a mm-hmm. whole bunch of stuff, extensions, different properties and settings. I have not recompiled it, but I've been thinking about just doing that myself as well just to have a version that is more in line with what I wanted to do. Right. But Edge, you know, that's just meant to run this and nothing else. But what 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 interferes with running Zencaster on your current computer? You start getting occasional audio drops. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I I'm using Chrome for Zencaster right now and it's the okay. only thing I use Chrome for. Well, there you go. So it's the exact same kind of idea. And I, I use Chrome for work, Brave for home, and Edge for this. That's my my breakdown. 
Yeah, I don't do any work on my personal laptop. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't do anything a, personal on my work laptop. So. And I don't. I don't have a work laptop. So. I'm. I'm a hired gun. Remember. Right, but I mean, so I, I even if I were in that same position, I'd still probably have at least a VM for work. Right. Yeah, I've done that in the past. Absolutely. No, yeah. that's totally true. But the the browser is kind of the VM. I mean, I don't do anything with any apps locally. Everything that I do for work just lives in the browser. See, I couldn't live without one for work. I'm, uh, I'm a huge that... OneNote user. Are you? Yeah, have been since college. One of the really cool features that a lot of people don't realize about OneNote, and I use this in college a lot, was you can record audio while mm-hmm. you're taking notes. And mm-hmm. if you go, what the hell does this note mean? You can highlight it and go, and it'll play the audio that was recorded when you were taking that note. Oh, I use Otter for that. I'm not familiar with it. Oh, Otter is a transcription app. So basically every every conversation, every phone call, everything I do is transcribed, recorded yeah. and transcribed. Good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Texas is a single party state, so I should have Absolutely. assumed with you. Yeah, and the way the party states work is that it's the person doing the recording and where they live, those rules apply. Yes, indeed. So talking to California is not a problem. <laughs> Well, yeah. You think John's going to ever get out of California? Nope. Why is that? I I guess I don't. He owns way too much property there. Well, that now would be the time to cash out before the economy absolutely collapses. Yeah, I I don't know. I think well, most of it's rental property, so he's actually making very good money. I think he makes more doing that than anything else, and has for quite a while. Uh-huh. John, and, and this is some of this is has secondhand. Some of this is when I was asking him questions when I had dinner with him. But it's some, it's, it's. I know his 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 son a lot better than I know him. It's for that mm-hmm. way. But John got into real estate pretty early on in California and saw the potential, I guess. And so, you know, he he is a hoarder, but he's not a he's not constantly on the lookout for the latest and greatest thing either Mm -hmm. like that mouse thing that'll never catch on so (laughs) consequently he was taking the extra money that he had and investing it in real estate Mm -hmm. and i don't i couldn't say how many off the top of my head how much property he owns but the what's been implied to me is that it's it's in the mid double digits wow and with the price of california housing you got to imagine that each each individual house is at least a million bucks. Hmm. And I wonder what the rental revenues would be from that. I mean, that that's substantial. So, well, again, I don't know of anybody that rents a house in California for less than three grand a house. Well, there you go. Hence, why Dvorak's comfortable in the chaise lounge. The chaise lounge works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's something that I think all of us would like at some point sooner than later, probably is to be able to be in a position where what you do is not tied to how you live. Absolutely. Fuck you money. Yeah. And, and, you know, fuck you money is different for everybody. Yeah. And, and I think John was more disappointed about, you know, getting kicked off of writing for PC mag when he wrote a nasty article about electric cars, just because it was something he enjoyed doing. And he'd done it for over 20 years. Right. And probably over 30 years. 
to the point where they were literally the people running that magazine were not born when John was already writing for it. Well, I certainly remember reading his articles and, you know, the whole back in when I was growing up, you know, ZDTV was around when I was Chet, probably, you know, youngster. When did ZDTV come out? Oh, uh, early 90s, I thought. I think it was not early 90s. It was late 90s. Mid-90s? Wasn't yep. it? Yeah, 98. 98, okay. Yeah, so I was 12. Yep. So 98 to 2000, so, you know, 12 to 14. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, big part of my, my history. For, yeah, and I was I always loved John's articles on the back page. He had the last page before the cover in the Mac user. Mm-hmm. And there were two Mac magazines back in the 80s. It was Mac user and Mac world. And John had the the sort of the devil's advocate articles in Mac user on the back page where it was always critiquing something about the Mac every month you, you get I'd look forward to reading that sort of you know grumpy critiquing yeah. style article about you know why why did they do this this makes no sense why couldn't they just do it this other way well and he was very good at playing the cranky geek you know oh yeah yeah. Still is. Yeah, I think that's his general uh, kind of demeanor. If Dvorak were to be summed up in one joke, it would be, back in my day, we had www.squat. <laughs> .squat. Uh, I, my favorite video is still the video of him talking about how awesome the PS2 is, the IBM PS2, mm-hmm. and the modularity of it, and then not being able to take it apart. Because, you know, parts were very tight. <laughs> I was like, and eventually just kind of giving up on it. It's like, well, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of supposed to work that way, you know. That, clearly, this is a point where they, they didn't do a test run in the studio before recording. Indeed. And so it came across as pretty damn funny. And the PS2 was actually a pretty good system. It just, that was IBM's kind of last gasp at trying to get away from Windows operating system. And so they built a the new modern computer from IBM, which wasn't the Mac and didn't run Windows. And you can well, see how well that worked. Well, I mean, OS2 was pretty damn good, though. Well, it was good, but it was completely not popular. Yeah, well, lots of things aren't. EOS was really pretty good, but wasn't very popular. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of things. Solaris, I mean, the... People don't realize well, it. Well, Solaris was just expensive. Solaris That's a different issue. Well, and the hardware, right? So running Solaris on PowerPC or whatever was really hot, mm-hmm. you know, shooting yourself in the foot and if you didn't buy the Sun hardware. But yeah. what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, everybody's talking about Kubernetes and containers and you know, so on and so forth these days. That originated on Solaris in the mm-hmm. you know, nineties. This is not a new thing, people. Yeah, most of that stuff was not new. It, it just a lot of things became more available and more popularized in the two mm-hmm. thousands. Well, in ZFS, you know, ZFS was just brilliant. And why it, it if ZFS was not legally encumbered the way it is, it would be mm-hmm. the file system everyone should use. That was a something, right? Yeah, well, kind of. So ZFS stands for the Zettabyte file system, mm-hmm. and it is essentially a file system that work, functions as a RAID. So you can have different mm-hmm. pools, you can have different redundancy levels in the file system. Yeah, I system thought it was for across. some for some reason. I don't know. It, it was, it, it was developed. Some. It was originally on Solaris, but there's some 
and that's why it's partially legally encumbered. So mm-hmm. Sun has some of the patents to it, but it was also it. partially developed under an open source license. And it's just in this yeah. quasi just whatever state. But uh, I mean, I, I remember in the early 2000s, I was working for a managed service provider and we needed this is before, you know, Amazon was really selling storage the way they are today. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were going to be providing backup storage for some of our customers. So we had to build build out in the data center, you know, a pretty massive storage array. And I mm-hmm. used ZFS at the time instead of, you know, some of the SANs and commercially available things at the time. And it, it, yeah. it worked out very well, actually, for us. Interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, there, there's been a number of things that have... I think migrated to the popular usage. I mean, uh, a lot of the the rewriting of the Mac OS for the Intel platform was a result of what Jobs did at Next mm-hmm. in basically taking BSD and, the and you know creating a new operating system out of it. But eventually rolling it into what became Mac OS. Yeah, OS ten. the The real problem I have with that from just so the the BSD licensing allows you to take and use it without contributing back to the mm-hmm. to the community. I get that, but you know, even if Mac, even if Apple would just publish the drivers that they write for, you know, not even their own hardware, but you know, basic Intel hardware and things like mm-hmm. that. If they would just publish those and let the community have those drivers, I would feel much better about it. Yeah, but they also were not particularly happy about people running OS ten on non-Apple manufactured systems. So yeah. that was a way for them to prevent that from happening. Well, it still happens. I, it I does. Know, I know, I, you know, a friend I know. of mine had a, a Hackintosh for quite yeah. a while, but it's a pain in the ass. It is. It is. Speaking of pains in the ass, you mistagged me on No Agenda Social. You hit up our Australian friend instead. Mm-hmm. The second time in a, you know this has happened. No, I thought I thought I tagged a totally different guy. Cause, dude, look, here's the thing. There's a like five dudes named Ben named Ben on No Agenda Social in a variety of names. Yes. And yours ha- happens to not even include dude named Ben named Ben. Correct. So how the hell am I supposed to even know who you are? Because we talk and you know i'm in your phone okay but realistically though how am i supposed to know that do you think i'm going to remember who i'm talking to on the phone well i mean just just look for the bsd demon icon and you got me okay watch me find like 10 people with that icon now (laughs) jesus christ no Uh, it's it's an inconsistency in naming and look i have it as well i'm not sir gene on there somebody else snagged that mm -hmm. but you know at least my account's been around for long enough where it at least it's like it was one of the first ones created in the system. Well, I mean, so first of all, I have been, you know, do name Ben, protect our megawatts for a while now, for a good long while. But mm-hmm. when I was creating my no agenda social account at the time, I just went with a standard username that I use mm-hmm. because I wasn't thinking ahead. So there right. you go. Well, is the protector of megawatts taken? Have you thought about upgrading it? Well, no agenda socials kind of locked down. I guess I could ping people and ask to see about that, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you could ping the dude named Ben who runs it. I could. And the fact that it's locked down probably means that it, it's not taken. Although, like I said, somebody did snag Sir Gene, but 
fuckers. Yeah, well, it's just one of those things. It's not something I'm too worried about. But well, regardless, you are because you brought it up that I mistagged you again. Right, and but I, I, was I only bringing... mistagged you because I don't know what your name is. For the love of God, this is a really bad segue. <laughs> I was trying to segue into the gentleman who you, you were trying to allow me to rebut, and I am going to rebut on oh, renewables. The, the uh, New Zealand dude that thinks yes. that greeny power is the way to go in the future. Yes. Right. And, you know, for New Zealand, hydro is doable. For parts of the U.S., hydro is doable. Mm-hmm. For New Zealand, geothermal is doable. Mm-hmm. Outside of Hawaii and parts of. US, well, and Yellowstone, geothermal is not really feasible here and Mm -hmm. doesn't produce a lot of power. So the example I would use is in Texas, we have Toledo Bend. It's a 90 mile long lake. It's a huge lake. Mm -hmm. It has two generators on it that produce a whopping total of 90 megawatts. And because it was built for flood control. You're being funny about 90 being whopping. Right. I mean, it's no power at all. A pathetic 90 megawatts. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is renewables are are just not plentiful enough in Texas. You know, you've got West Texas and you've got a lot of wind and that's yeah. fine. But the way the wind produces in Texas is it produces a lot at night. But in the heat of the day, the wind actually dies down mm-hmm. and that's a problem. So now, what is plentiful in Texas? Well, you've got lots of oil, lots of natural gas and believe it or not, Lots of coal. So we do not have, you know, the anthracite and stuff like that, but we have a ton of river, old river bottom lignite. And lignite. And for people that don't know what the hell the difference is between anthracite and lignite, what's the difference? One's more dirt, one's a rock. Uh, and, you know, it's just the orders of coal. Lignite has fewer BTUs than anthracite. There are different orders of lignite, though, you know. But it's uh, on the surface. Yes, it, it is surface mining. It's not like, you know, <laughs> I got the black lung pop. It's not that mm-hmm. kind of mining. Mm-hmm. It's big drag lines, removing surface dirt, getting down to the lignite, pulling it out. And then the reclama- when when they're done, the reclamated land is very usable as even, you know, a ranch or cattle country or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's not strip mining. It's not it's not the same thing people think of. And and people have to realize trees don't grow in Texas. We, we have shrubs, and some of those shrubs get to be tree height, but they're not really trees. So you're not, not really killing 100-year-old trees. Gene has not been to East Texas, apparently. East Texas is Louisiana, dude. The piney woods is all I'm saying. You have yeah, you know, the largest pine there, but, forest but, in the U.S. Of the, of the area of Texas with trees, that represents a fairly small area. True. There, there are more cacti in Texas than there are trees. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, but regardless, the when they reclaim the land, first of all, the way the veins of lignite go, and you can y'all can go Google luminant Kasi mine or any of that, and go look at some of the mining and te- operations mm-hmm. in Texas for this. You know, there are trees still. They they build in water features. There's lots of stuff when the land is actually reclaimed. Mm-hmm. But the point is, you know, one of the last coal-fired power plants to probably run in the United States is Oak Grove, and it's right here outside of College Station. And the reason why I say it's going to be one of the last coal-fired power plants in the U.S. running is because it was built in 2010 and 2011 is when Unit 1 and Unit 2 came online. The local mine to this power plant is seven miles away, and then in that single mine, they have about 20 years of fuel. They also have 
other properties around the area that they can open up as mine sites. The cost of fuel for Oak Grove is under $10 a megawatt. I won't give away the exact number. Mm-hmm. To give an example. What's a windmill do? Huh? Well, how much does it cost to generate using a windmill, like in New Zealand? Well, I don't know about New Zealand, but in the U.S., a windmill will never – it is not profitable without government subsidies. It just isn't. But I'll give you an example to compare it to natural gas, which is a number I can give you. So if you take a state-of-the-art um, natural gas combined cycle power plant and you have a heat rate of about 7,000, Mm-hmm. So if you take uh, the price of natural gas in MMBTU and you multiply it by the heat rate, that'll give you roughly the fuel cost. So, you know, let's say natural gas is at three bucks in MMBTU mm-hmm. and you've got a heat rate of a thousand or 7,000. That gives you an approximate cost per megawatt of about $21 a megawatt in fuel cost versus mm-hmm. under 10 for uh, that coal site. The only reason why natural gas is so dominant right now is because of the wind subsidies in Texas. So like I said, the wind blows really well at night. Wind generation is generally at its peak at night in Texas, which is when demand is at its least. So because of the way the ERCOT market works, uh, the natural gas plants can cycle off. They can turn off and wind can bid into the market at a very, very low rate because they have the tax subsidies. They can actually go negative in their pricing and the coal plants because they can't shut off have to stay on so if you're producing a thousand megawatts and the price is negative five bucks you're paying negative five thousand dollars an hour to be online that's what's killing coal in texas well that sounds to me like a regulatory issue not a coal issue it's absolutely a regulatory and subsidy issue yeah anyway the point was just to respond to the guy and say look in New Zealand, maybe the geothermal and you know hydro works for y'all. And in parts of the U.S. here, hydro can work. But in Texas, we do not have enough drop and head pressure where where our lakes are uh, to do that. And most of our lakes in Texas are man-made. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Other than Caddo, I think all the lakes in Texas are man-made. I've heard that before, yeah. And they all have the same shape. It's really funny. Just about. There's yeah, not a lot. They're all basically just rivers. Yep, dammed up rivers. Dammed up rivers. So the shape is kind of a chicken foot shape kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Usually, either two or three fingers, with a wide part where the dam is. Yeah. Well, and you compare like the amount of generation out of Toledo, which is, you know, like I said, ninety miles long, versus something like Dorshack in Idaho, where Dorshack mm-hmm. is. Still a long lake. It's 50, but you know, it's Dorshack Dam is the largest concrete structure of its type in, in North America. It's like 700 and some odd feet deep at the dam. Wow. Well, so Texas generates its power mainly from what right now? Gas, coal, oil? Natural gas. Natural, Na- gas. natural gas is the dominant, you know, but we've also retired a ton of coal plants. Now, why do we not build oil plants? Well, no one wants to burn fuel oil. Fuel oil is inefficient. It's nasty. You know, when you... It's just coming right out of the ground, though, isn't it? Right. I mean, the the fuel oil is not very refined. It's just... Fuel oil plants are not fun to be around. Now, there are plants that have fuel oil as a a backup fuel. That's 
actually somewhat common. Lots of places got rid of that because of environmental reasons and so on. But, you know, the after after Yuri, actually, a lot of plants have brought it back because had they had fuel on site, even if they were rigged for natural gas and being able to switch over would have been very beneficial during that time. But Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the thing. So one of the other advantages to coal and fuel is that those are fuels that can be stored on site. And you don't get into this distribution problem where, you know, hey, the natural gas pipelines are a dependency for the electric grid. And the electric grid is a dependency for the gas pipelines and the compressor stations. Now we've got this competing interest. And, you know, another thing that happened during URI was the natural gas pipelines have to prioritize home usage over over industrial. So that, that was another issue. Yeah, I I think that depending on where you are, obviously you're going to make different decisions about what is the most cost-effective way to generate electricity. Mm-hmm. But let's stay on the topic of electricity because something else that came up when I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's recently moved to California. I know, crazy, right? But good job. And he was saying, you know, if, if gas goes more higher than the $7 that we're currently seeing, it's going to be hard to live in California. And of course, my prediction is that I keep putting out there is I think it'll hit 18 bucks before it's done. But as far as California having higher gas prices, even if it's not $18, what do you think the, the impact would be if everybody just stopped driving cars that were powered by gas and switched to electric cars? whether in Texas or California or anywhere else. We can't, I mean, it, it's, it, it depends on the time frame. Currently, the, I mean, the fact of the matter is we just don't have enough generation at all to right. support that. So I what mean, would happen in that? You, basically, you would have new rules about when you can charge cars, maybe only when the windmills are going or something, right? Well, I mean, even then, you just, you do not have enough. When you look at the amount of oil that is consumed by just people driving around, okay, we won't Mm -hmm. take in shipping or anything else. You just look at the amount of energy that that represents and you do some conversion to electricity. So you're converting the chemical energy of the gas used by the consumer driving around to... Well, you don't even have to do that. Like we know that most Teslas are somewhere between 80 and 100 kilowatt hours Mm -hmm. and they're typically charged at let's say 60 percent of that every night so let's say they charge 50 kilowatt hours every night can we how many cars can take that out of the current grid and how close are we to not allowing electric cars at all okay so i'll i'll use texas during the summer peak as an Mm -hmm. example yeah generally out of close to eighty thousand megawatts being utilized we have a reserve margin of around four thousand megawatts so how many cars is that at 50 kilowatt hours? I mean, I would have to do them. You're a math guy. Come on. Okay. 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 Let me bring it. <laughs> this is what you get for talking about your math and science background. You said 50. Yeah. I'd say 50 is an average. You could do about eight, eight to If you're saying 50 and we've got a rough, I mean, it'd be 8,000 ish. Yeah. Just based well, off of the a, reserve margin at peak, though. Yeah, and we got so, a Tesla plant just four miles from my house here. Right, but it, I mean, it's going to be you cranking look, out eight thousand per month. Right, but if we it, so let's say we took our peak generation and just ran it all the time, and you charged mm-hmm. overnight, when that mm-hmm. usage drops to about you know from the eighty thousand, let's say it drops to fifty, 
Okay. So now instead of a reserve margin of four thousand, we have a reserve margin of around twenty thousand. Curse. No, it'd be it'd be more like forty. So okay. you you might be able to get forty thousand cars on the road, but I how think many, they should switch to that. How many millions of cars are in Texas? Exactly, exactly. I, but I think they should switch to that measurement and just say that you know our current electrical grid is running at six thousand Teslas from peak. Okay. The Tesla is a good measurement. I don't understand why we don't use that as a measurement in Texas for electricity. Well, why don't you write an RFC on it? I I probably should. Yeah, I'll have some free time soon. <laughs> yeah, and, and private and commercial cars in Texas is around eight yeah. million. By the way, eight million total. I wonder if if there's stats on the number of electric. That, that, that doesn't vehicles seem in Texas. right. That's eight million t- cars. That's yeah. probably right. There, well, it probably but, includes the three or four cars on stilts in somebody's trailer park. No, no, that seems low. No. Oh, you think that's low? Eight million is low. That's way too low. You, well, you think every person has a car in Texas? I think it should be pretty close. I would just I would expect it to be at least half the population. Anyway. That, well, I can that, tell you I, this. In yeah. Austin, nobody that lives in downtown has a car. Yeah, but that's Austin. And I don't think anybody in the state under 25 has a car. That's objectively not true. Mm, mostly true. Anyway, regardless, the, the point is the grid could I mean, not all the girls hand- I date, I end up having to drive them around, so... You know. The point is the grid could not eat, take all electric cars. Right, we, that's where I was getting do that to. Today. So and, our our availability is about eight thousand more cars. Well, and it, let's let's say it's it's not it. Let's say it's twenty thousand more cars. It doesn't really yeah. matter. It's a drop in the bucket, and you you're really going to have to look at doubling generation capacity. Yeah. And you're not going to do that through wind and solar, and you're not going to do it through batteries. Well, isn't isn't the problem simply that if People were to put on solar panels on every new house built. Couldn't we just solve this problem? Why not? Well, one, the distribution. So the, California is running into this, right? So California subsidized the hell out of people putting solar mm. panels on their roofs. And PG&E and others back is having issues balancing the grid because the distribution level isn't really meant to have that much generation on it, right? Distribution is really programmed and set up and meant for consumption, not not generation. That's why very you have few those interconnects not are. feed electricity back in the grid, just basically unplug the house from the grid while there's enough electricity being generated by the panels. Well, f- first of all, I'll use ERCOT as an example. Wind what and solar ERCOT is the reliability coordinator in Texas. So it's the system operator. So they use wind and solar at 20% of capacity. So if you have 100 megawatts of wind and solar generation, ERCOT counts on 20% of that, meaning they count on 20 megawatts of it because it Mm. can shift so rapidly. So the issue you would have is you'd have to have an auto switching system set up. Yeah. You would which have I to have the Tesla battery lets you do, which you would have to have some sort of battery to buffer. And what would have to happen is you'd have to be switching back and forth constantly. Yeah. The problem that that would introduce from a system operator standpoint, so an ERCOT, a WEC, or so on, whatever the ISO is, the issue you're going to have is you're going to have unpredictable load demand. So that makes Don't balance. You- 
How, how do you predict it? Well, that's why you A, have a reserve margin, but B, you want to balance the grid. So the object of any system operator is to get as close as they can to having enough generation to meet to meet the load, but not too much in excess because mm-hmm. it's wasteful, it's inefficient. So right. they do that through models of environmental conditions. So for instance... For the last week or two, it's been over 100 in the majority of the state of Texas. So you know air conditioning loads are going to be high. You know you know what, what's going to go on. So you can predict per house on average what the demand is going to be, roughly. They know the on the county rolls, the square footage of the house, the age of the house, things like that. So all of that goes into the modeling of what the usage is going to be. But can't, can't they just simply bump everybody's thermostats to 84 like they did with me? Yeah, this is why you don't have a, a connected thermostat. Well, maybe you're not allowed to have an electric vehicle charging unless you have a connected thermostat. And this is Would you like to charge your car or air conditioning? Air conditioning. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying that would be the question for the consumer to make that decision. Mm-hmm. I, and, and this is also why, obviously, they only want you charging your car at night when the AC is less likely to be running. Yeah, and, and again, it, it just comes down to the question was why can't everybody just have solar panels on their roof and that yeah. fix it? The, the the fact of the matter is because when a cloud goes over your house and you now have to take from the grid, that is not substantially predictable. Well, but but also you should have a Tesla battery in your house, which provides you at least ten thousand kilowatt hours of battery, which doesn't. <laughs> I'd have to go get my power bill, but the you know ten thousand kilowatt hours is not a lot. No, but it's meant to cover the when the cloud passes over the the roof. Yeah, my point is at the distribution level, you have you can't introduce that much variability into the way our power systems work today. Maybe in the future mm-hmm. we can, you know, have a smart grid and it work. But or the, microgrids, maybe even. Well, if you're going to go with microgrids, then you need local generation, which I'm all for. Yeah. Well, you can't you do, you know, charge up the microgrid from the big grid? I mean, again, battery storage is limited. And, you know, yeah. one of the things we learned out of URI and people didn't realize is our battery and reactive resources were essentially useless. And the reason why is you cannot charge or discharge lithium ion below freezing. You will destroy the destroy the battery. Well, fair enough, but why couldn't we just use lead acid? It, it inefficient. Inefficient, so it takes more space, but it's cheaper. And it, it's still going to have power at cold weather. I mean, have you lived in the north and tried I to have, start? I have, actually, most of my life. Okay, yeah. so what, what <laughs> happens when you don't have your car plugged in and it's sitting outside and it's really cold? Well, it depends how old your battery is. Why is that? Well, they, they lose efficacy over time. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Yeah, that's also why you get a bigger battery from... I, I mean, even if you have deep cycle batteries and you look at, you know, marine batteries, AGM batteries yeah, and, old sub yeah. batteries, what people do for off the grid stuff, yeah. it, there, there's limitations, right? Everybody yeah. who I've seen try and live off the grid makes massive consignments to do it. And people just aren't ready for that. You know, you don't, people don't yeah. want to go to a propane or natural gas refrigerator that's half the size of their current electric fridge, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, some people put in the uh, wood gas fires in along with generators too, but well, I those mean, are crazy folk. <laughs> hey, I'm all for having that as a backup when shit hits the fan. 
thing. But, you know, the reality of day in, day out life, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I I had a friend that made a movie called Life with Tesla Mm -hmm. about his Tesla and uh, living completely not not so much off the grid, but where he was making money every every month on his electric bill. Hmm. By and charging at night and discharging during the day? No, by by having solar panels in the roof. Hmm. And uh, the solar panels provided enough power to charge his car and whatever electrical use he had at the house. Well, I, you know, I, I suppose, but I don't think it's a long-term or scalable strategy is all I'm going to say. Well, and, and the roof is one place where I think it does make some sense to put solar panels if you live in the south. If you're too far from the equator, it doesn't make sense. But certainly here and south, I think it does make some sense to do that. I mean, again, the solar panel without government subsidy will never make enough back to pay for itself. That's the problem. And if you're just putting panels on a but roof and it's not an tracking that, the sun and all that, you're very inefficient. Another way to say that is electricity is too cheap currently, and the, those prices need to go up. No, electricity is actually – it is too cheap in a lot of ways because of subsidies. But you take away those subsidies, and what happens is no one buys wind or solar, and mm-hmm. you stick with the fossil fuels we've been using. But maybe you need to put on – some additional taxes on the oil-based electrical generation so that it gets cost-wise more in line with the no-subsidy version of the solar and wind. Or we could just stick with what we got that works. Well, we could. We could. I'm just exploring possibilities. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm giving you a little bit of a devil's advocate perspective. Yeah, well, devil's advocate point of view from my standpoint is build Comanche Peak 3 and 4, you know. Yeah, which is the nuclear expansion of mm-hmm. plants. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I think nuclear is out. the obvious answer to all these problems is nuclear. Well, it is the... It, I mean, certainly if people, with breeder reactors. Yeah, I mean, if people are really concerned about the environment and think fossil fuels is, you know, not the answer, then nukes are the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And And how many Teslas... Using the new measurement, does Comanche Peak power? Comanche Peak's 2,000 megawatts. So if we use that entire 2,000 megawatts to power Teslas at 50,000 kilowatt hours, or 50 kilowatt hours, rather, well, what do we end up with? Well, Gene, you can do the math. How many kilowatts are in a megawatt? 1,000. Okay. So 2,000 megawatts. Yeah. And... What, are you waiting for me to do the math? God damn it. That's what you're for. <laughs> so, well, what is that? 2,000 times the divided by 50. Oh, how many cars is that? So, we got... Uh, That'd be 400,000. 400,000. Yeah, I was going to say 40,000. Now, if we had two more of those, that would double the capacity, roughly, or, or be more than double? It depends on the amount of generation output of the facility. Uh, would they be would the to. new would the breeder ones be less or more? It, it 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 depends. So you can if you go with a modular reactor design, it depends on how many of you you put in. If you go with mm-hmm. another light water plant, you could easily have the same generation capacity. It would yeah. it would vary. You know, it it all varies based off of you know design nameplate design of the plant. Mm-hmm. Just don't have G build it. That's all. <laughs> well, the the joke in the power industry for forever is, you know, GE, 
you can buy better, but you can't spend more. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think with that, we might as well wrap things up a little bit or a lot, maybe even. I think, boy, I, I don't have the page open, but I think we got some money from our mutual friend here. Ah. Yeah. I believe he sent some in. Well, we're going to have to get him on the show. Yeah, I think at this point, even without the donations that he's making, we should have him on the show. And it's funny, too, because I make it really difficult for people to donate money to the mm-hmm. show because I don't give out any contact info or anything else. So they have to track that down manually <laughs> to make a donation. But I, I'll tell you what we did make is we made $4 in advertising fees. Yeah, I put an ad to test how that works in the last podcast. What What ad? So it's a very benign, it was actually an ad for another podcast. Okay. What 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 did I miss? Oh, if you download the episode, you can hear it. <laughs> but it's, so I'm going to try this for a couple of them and we'll see if people are opposed to it or not. It's basically just cross-promoting another podcast. What podcast and, was and it? I'm, and I'm, I, they're, well, they're different every time because I don't want them to be boring. But, and I'm the one picking the podcast. Uh-huh. So it, they're they're typically going to be political podcasts, you know, like maybe we'll do a communist podcast, then we'll do like a anti-abortion podcast, then we'll do, you know, just kind of mix it up a little bit, just to give people a chance to listen to some other opinions. But here's the cool part. So every time I do that, it generates like four. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. So, and right now the cost of the podcast is about 50 bucks a month. So this is making a significant dip across that $50 by dropping it by four. Yeah. But, you know, if people start bitching too much, then we'll stop doing those ads. But I want to do this for a few episodes and just kind of see, see if there are any negative reactions or if people don't mind, like, having... Is it a, is it a pre-roll or what? It's a mid-roll. Yeah. Which is... To say that really it's obnoxious. randomly placed somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so cut us off right during a conversation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And here's why abortion. And now, would you like to listen to? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so, well, I, again, I like, I'm doing this as an experiment, so treat mm-hmm. it as such. Which, you know, like, believe me, if this generated like 40 bucks instead of four, it wouldn't be an experiment. We'd just start doing it. But, but given that it's $4, it's absolutely an experiment. Mm. Just out of curiosity more than anything else. Well, I'll subsidize the four bucks a month if we need to. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, that's like, oh. okay, keep going. We'll get somewhere equitable here. Yeah. Well, I, Plus, now, you, you laugh about this, like, yeah, I'll pay the four bucks. You wait till you do your own podcast, and you'll have plenty of plenty of expenses you're going to want to subsidize. Okay. I mean, you already spent what, like, how much do you spend on your audio equipment at this point? So two hundred bucks for Mike, give or take. Uh, no, the RE three twenty is more than that right now. More than that, okay. Yeah, right. So Mike stand, all that's probably right around three hundred, and then mm-hmm. you know the baby mo two I'm using right now, the M two is another. But first, you bought one that you're not using. You got to add that in as well because that. Well, was I took just that back. Purchase. I got a refund. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, lucky! I didn't realize you had enough time to get a refund. Yep, I so I was able to get enough. a refund. Yep. Good. So, so then just a couple hundred bucks for the other one. Yeah, probably about five, six hundred bucks right now. Headphones? I already had. I'm using the headphones I already had. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. So anyway, yeah. So you're you're basically your entry point is minimum of about five hundred bucks. And if if you want to do it the way that I'm set up, then it's more like a thousand bucks. But it's it's still a fun 
hobby, even with those expenses, I think. And, and really, you know, I've said this before, you've said it, I think, as well, is we still have these conversations, whether the microphone is recording or not. Well, it apparently just so happens it's always that recording sh- when I have a conversation with Eugene. Well, uh, that's good, because it's always transcribing when I have it with you. But because I got to fill out the reports anyway. But the the fact that we're also making these conversations shareable and public with you guys is I think that's that's something that you get to get a little glimmer of the 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 private phone calls that we also have. Because unlike Adam and John, we do talk to each other during the week. A little bit. Yeah. Occasionally. Depends how drunk you are, I guess. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, if you want to help us non-monetarily, post some reviews. That is honestly the best way to get other people to be suggested listening to this podcast is if there are positive reviews either on Google or Apple. Adios, mofos. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 